Hi, I'm Big Nkrumah. And I'm Audio Nerd 64 And we're your gamer friends. Yay! We are coming at you with our sixth episode? Technically. Yeah. The bonus one. Doesn't it's count. An episode, it's but it's bonus. It's bonus. So you okay. Can count that. Okay. Six episode. We got it. This week we have quite a bit of news. Um, we're going to be talking about what's on the docket for E3, uh, EA Play, and their little sideshow, the new Red Dead trailer, which everyone yes. is freaking out about. That's great. That really terrible New York Times piece on gamers and community, which uh, went kind of viral, I guess. Um, Sonic Mania Plus, and the new Fortnite and PUBG news. When we get down and nerdy. <laughs> wow. We're talking Black Lightning, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Avengers Ooh. Infinity War. Mm. Spoiler Um Really? Maybe. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Venom. Oh, Venom. Ve- oh, Venom. Mm. T-Titans Go to the movies, their second trailer. Oh. And the con that saved the other con, the con-con. That was a con. <laughs> well, Comic-Con. <laughs> Well, Comic-Con, we will cover that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Lastly, on the home screen, lastly, on the home screen, we're going to be talking some Dirt Rally, Rocket League, Monster Hunter, and the new Donkey Kong. And later in the show, we're going to do a Gamer Friends deep dive into Destiny 2's latest expansion, Warmind. Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) I feel so bad for not being excited at all. Well... We'll talk about that later. We will. Okay, okay. So we're going to go ahead and get started right at the top of the show and log on. Yeah, so first up, I think the biggest news is about the Switch. We got a big old Smash Brothers announcement. Oh. We did. Did you hear? Yeah. No. They're going to spend a pretty much a... They were like, this is going to be the highlight of what we're talking about. Oh. At E3. Um, It's a big Super Smash Brothers Invitational. Like a tournament. Yeah, I guess so. I guess they're going to be doing like a tournament of the game. They're doing it right after a Splatoon 2 World Championship. Oh. So they're just using E3 as a venue for their championship matches. And also promotion. I guess. Two birds, I guess. Interesting. I didn't even know that uh, Splatoon was competitive. I mean, any game can be a a competitive game if you try hard enough. But I am glad that we're not getting, you know... Flashy trailers and nonsense. I want content. Mm. And I'm happy that they're delivering it this way. Um, I'm excited to see more about Spider-Man. Mm. But I feel like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm curious to see what they're going to do at E3 just because I feel like Game Informer got, like, everything. Yeah, you know. Like, I mean, all the videos, all the interviews. Uh, they did, like, a Q&A with some of the developers. Uh, not one of the developers. One of the... I think directors on their podcast, which was great. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a lot of info. Hmm. A lot of info. Well, there are several games that show the year that they get released. Um, I feel like it's enough of a gap between the release date and E3 that they're going to be there with something. But I agree, yeah. it's probably just going to be all the stuff they've already shown. True. Maybe some new suits. Oh, that's my favorite thing about Spider-Man games that you can be, you can pick a shit ton of suits. I legitimately have been kind of trying to stay away from all of the game footage because 
I really want to go into it and form my own opinion. But I did see some of the trailer or E3 gameplay from last year or something, and it really looks really good. <laughs> it looks amazing. So that was I'd a say. really long pause. I'm, it was for dramatic emphasis. <laughs> I'm mean, okay with it. Okay. I hope people don't think it, the podcast stopped. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also excited for Anthem, which I feel like it has the opposite of what they of what Spider-Man people have been doing is that I know absolutely nothing about it except here's some gameplay from the trailer from last year and one of the BioWare heads saying we're actually going to make a campaign this time. Hmm. So, you know, hopefully I feel like they might show even more of it at EA Play because Ah, uh, yeah. Might as well save it for their own. What else does EA play really? I mean, they have The Sims, and we'll talk about that. But um, I don't know. It it just seems to me like E3 and EA play being within basically the same two-week period. Um, well, let's stop. I want to talk about EA play for a minute because you mentioned it. Okay. What is EA play? Well, I have... I have no idea. So a few E3s ago, EA pulled out of E3. Uh, so Anthem is going to be there because BioWare is there. But like EA as a publisher uh, doesn't have like booth space anymore. So wait, uh, why, do you know why EA pulled out of E3? Well, I mean, this is kind of a rabbit hole, but there's a lot of talk about E3 not really being anything all that special anymore because of the rise of studios really doing their own independent uh, kind of branding and Steve Jobsing, I'll call it. Uh, for, <laughs> for instance, recall the Destiny 2 uh, reveal. Right. That was uh, a okay, whole so like- situation that they rented out an auditorium and there was basically a show and they brought in all the streamers and it was this whole production and maybe 10 years ago destiny 2 would have been announced at e3 right so like because everyone can sort of do this stuff on their own now we don't need an e3 exactly i think that that is really the the crux of the argument and why ea pulled out okay um, so what games are you interested in seeing at E3? Um, I am most interested in The Division. Uh, I think that I made that clear. Um, <laughs> I'm really feeling like The Division 2 might be one of my favorite ever games, just on the hope and a prayer <laughs> that they learn from their mistakes and they do not do what Bungie did and fuck up the sequel. Um, so I'm just excited to see what they've got already, um, what the plot might be, if it's going to be a different city, all that stuff. So very excited to see The Division. Um, also, uh, I assume that Destiny will announce what I'm going to call the Taken Queen. Uh, it's going to be... Is that a prediction? <laughs> I don't think they're going to call it a ta- the Taken Queen. Uh, but as we all know, the Taken King was the big, huge Destiny DLC that kind of turned the game around and really was the first step in creating what we know today. And I imagine that the same type of expansion will be announced at E3 uh, with the same type of game changer uh, title is definitely going to be what is on Bungie's agenda for E3. So 
curious to see what it is. Um, and we'll talk a lot more about Destiny in the bottom of the show. Um, lastly, Skull and Bones. It is, uh, from what I understand, Assassin's Creed Black Flag without the Assassin's Creed. Uh, and really, really Oh, so Sea of Thieves. <laughs> um... I don't think it's going to be like Sea of Thieves. Aww. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a action-adventure type game like Assassin's Creed is. Um, I, I don't anticipate that it's going to be a huge open-world, endless abyss of boredom. Um, but it might. I don't know. <laughs> that was shady. <laughs> we might. I guess we'll find out at E3. Um, I think what I'm most, most excited for is what we don't know about. What's actually going to get released. The mystery. So I guess we're on the road to E3 officially. Yeah. That Less should be exciting. Month. Less than well, a month? No. Oh. Just about a month. Just about a month. So just two episodes of Gamer Friends. Oh, that's Tar- right. Because it's bi-weekly. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you mentioned EA Play. You mentioned your favorite game. What? The Sims. Hmm? Um, What kind of hyper-specific expansions (laughs) are we to expect to learn all about at EA Play? um, Well, first of all, there is some major Sims 4 news, which is that they fired a few of the major uh, front-facing gurus, as they call them. I don't understand why that's a we thing. We need to find a better word for that. I agree that they need to find a better word. Um, but all of like their community management people are called gurus, and uh, a lot of them got fired recently. <laughs> and all of the new job postings are about The Sims Mobile. So the community is kind of... Up in arms uh, and very afraid (laughs) that Sims 4 is going to be ending. And there was a a post by someone who said they were a former employee that got fired, that they're not even working on The Sims 5, that they just have a bunch of recycled ideas for The Sims 4, and that they're going to be putting all of their additional resources into mobile games. So people are not happy in Sims World. No. And- <laughs> I'm, so, I'm, only, I'm still laughing from Sims 4 players up in arms because I feel like Sims players are like some of the most tame gamers out there. <laughs> You don't know anything. (laughs) Those mom gamers who are like role-playing their own lives and blogging about it and making just as much money as Ninja. I mean, not literally. They're not making anywhere near that kind of money. But but like, you know, (laughs) those people are wild. Those are the same people that are doing fan fiction wars about like, Snape and Harry in the Harry Potter series. That's the exact same demographic who are playing The Sims, 100%. Just because it describes you perfectly, <laughs> I think it might be a little bit of a reach. No, Look, I just no. want to have some integrity no. <clears throat> here on the show. I think that what I said is 100% correct, and anyone who's familiar with The Sims community would back me up. It is oh. teenage girls and wine moms who are producing the vast majority of the content for that game. Good for them. Anyone can be a gamer. I, no, it's not funny because of what that is. It's funny 
that you think that they don't have the capacity to literally be up in arms. <laughs> I just feel like when gamers are like up in arms, we get things like gamer gate. Yeah, those are the gamers with a um a capital G maybe. <laughs> capital G <laughs> gamers. <laughs> oh, no, nah, we shouldn't laugh though because Gamergate was fucked up. Oh well, yeah, because those capital G gamers are are fucked up. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't want to be a target, so there goes half our demographic. <laughs> it's about ethics and video game journalism. Anyway, um, so. EA play is going to be very important for The Sims because they kind of need to salvage their reputation um, in the same way that Bungie's going to need to as well. Um, it's, it seems to be a running theme. All I feel like <laughs> all these studios trying to piece together their reputations, yeah. all of these community management people are like now super important. They're just as important, I feel like, as the developers, which Absolutely. I don't know how I feel because I feel like I think it's a good thing. I think I think if you are building a community in your game and your community has strong feelings about the game, that's a good thing. I think that's a successful thing to yeah, have. Those community to a game. managers a play the games that they're community managing, or if they actually talk to the developers. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway. That's why, I mean, I got to say, that's why I'm excited for The Division because I feel like Ubisoft was here a few years ago and they actually turned it around. Mm -hmm. They did what they needed to do through the Assassin's Creed series. Everyone said they were crazy for not releasing a game. They took a year off. They got their bearings straight. You got to take a year off sometimes. I'm taking a year off, you know? (laughs) You are. Sometimes you You should. I'm taking a year off. And sometimes, you know, you got to... Take that year off, step yeah. back, refocus. Here we are, gamer friends, talking about bigger things and just games. Exactly. Here we are. Exactly. We're still just in the news, goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll see what they do. Uh, pretty much everyone is expecting seasons, though. Uh, if if they don't announce seasons and they don't announce um, some pets. kind of major commitment <laughs> to the future of the franchise... I think that you're going to see a pretty sizable revolt um, on the order of missing toddlers. I don't know what that means. Oh, when The Sims 4 launched, they removed the life stage of toddlers. Like, And people were not happy? Well, there are toddlers now. Oh, mm-hmm. look at that. Developers <laughs> listening to their audience. Yeah. So, anyway... We'll see what happens, but uh, other than that, I don't think I care about anything going on at EA Play. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh Well, there's something that I also kind of don't care about that you and everyone else care very much about. I don't know how you don't care about this. I could not get past the first 30 minutes of the game, and so I never Ugh. finished it. Red Dead Redemption 2 dropped their third, and I think final trailer. Final? Maybe. Doesn't it come out in October? I don't know. How many... They dropped their third trailer. Maybe it's the last one. Who knows? It was epic. It was like... It was big enough to be like... It was like the last Infinity War trailer epicness for me. And I would not be surprised if they didn't drop another one. Because they kind of don't need to. I thought you didn't watch any of the Infinity War trailers after the first one. I saw them in theaters. Like when we see Ready Player One and they show... Oh, that's right. And I hid and plugged my ears. Yeah, I didn't. (laughs) Doesn't matter. Now we know we can watch those trailers without (laughs) any repercussions because they were like fake. It's fake news. Thanks, 
Russo Brothers. I wonder whose idea that was. I digress. Red Dead Redemption 2 is coming out. The true trailer was amazing. The story seems huge, like way. It seems like the the scope of this game is much bigger than the first one. Like I feel like we're gonna get like an Assassin's Creed uh, Origins scope here. Oh. Like it's it's it it looks huge. And we, I don't know we were talking with some of the people about the details of the game. And they were saying how like all of the mechanics are gonna be upgraded. Like it sounds a lot to me like. Oregon Trail on steroids, and I'm so here for it, and I'm so ready for it. And like, I know the wild, wild west, the wild, wild west is problematic for folks like us. Why? Because, like, you know, it was like slavery time, or like, was that, is that after slavery time? Um, it wasn't a great time for black people, but we were the cowboys. We were cowboys? Yeah, you don't know that? I mean, no. We were cowboys? <clears throat> what you think of as a cowboy today was what black people were doing. Yes. We were cowboys? Yeah. Django Unchained was, like, real? More I mean, real not... than, than Robert Redford playing a cowboy. Ooh. Oh, my. I'm going to have to look more into this. I'm oh, excited. really? Hold on. Sidebar. Do, 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 do. Ooh, it's from Smithsonian, so you know it's good. <laughs> That's a reputable source. Yeah, I'm just thinking it's funny that you said it. Look at them! Oh my god, he's so black. And his horse is really black, too. One of that was done on purpose. Oh wait, it's black and white, so that horse could very well be brown. But we'll have to put that link in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, uh, there were a lot of black cowboys, and uh, a lot of them were freed slaves that wanted to get away from the north-south dynamic, and so they went west. That's that how insane. there were black people in Nebraska and Oklahoma. You know, and I North always Texas. did want to know how they got out there. Yeah, those were freed blacks that moved west because they wanted to get out of the whole North South situation. Good for them. And then they were terrorized and murdered, and they all moved to Chicago and Detroit. Hmm. Well, there it is. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, it comes out God in October. God bless America. Comes out in October. I'm really excited for it. I know Mike is really excited for it. Mike is very excited for it. No one knows who Mike is, um, but Mike is going to be the guest when that game comes out. Because I don't when that game comes out. Because I don't think I know anyone who's more excited. So that's it. That's all you get. That's our. Uh, that's a tease. That's a tease. We're like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> um, also excited, Sonic Mania Plus coming out in July, so only a couple months from now. Two days are for my birthday, so that's that'll be my little present for myself. Hmm. I'm here for a really fun platformer, and I love like the original Sonic. I never got, I think I only got to like the sixth or the seventh world, but that was in my adult life. Like when I was a kid, I could never get past Green Hill Zone. No, 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 I could never get past the second one. The castle concrete one i never owned a, a sega console what i've played sonic but i never owned one so i never like really played sonic <sighs> i sonic the hedgehog was like was it my first game yeah because that existed before playstation yeah i think sonic the hedgehog was, was definitely one of my first games maybe maybe pokemon yellow was first no, Game Boys came out God. later. Yeah. Oh, my God. I think Sonic the Hedgehog was literally one of my first games. You just went on a whole Titus face journey. I did. Sorry. 
<laughs> oh, well. Anyway, I'm excited for it. That's really all I had to say about it. Love a good platformer. Hopefully it'll be easier than Cuphead. Which you still haven't finished. Yeah. Did you see that meme of the dude with the holding out his hand with the butterfly? And then it's like, yes, what did it say? Dark Souls. Yeah. <laughs> it's like gamers <laughs> with anything, anything that is any difficult. It's like, is this Dark Souls? <laughs> we have to link to that meme in the show notes. There's a lot, a lot of show notes notes action going on. <laughs> What's going on with uh, Fortnite and PUBG? Um, a bunch of new stuff is going on with Fortnite and PUBG. I'll be brief because I feel like we talk about these games every week. Um, but well, Fortnite is the best thing to ever happen to gaming since controllers. Apparently, since Donkey Kong, which is the best thing that happened since God of War, which is the best things to happen since Zelda, which is the best thing to happen since something else last year. I feel like you made that was a statement. <sighs> Excuse me. Anyway, Fortnite had a big asteroid in the sky, and there was this whole thing about like what was going to happen with the asteroid, and it did land and destroy something, but it wasn't the faulty towers, which apparently the developers hate. Um, I don't, I don't understand why they would hate faulty towers, uh, other than more people go there. But I, I guess this was a way to make the map new and fresh and interesting, and I, I guess introduce. The ability to change a map as opposed to just churning out new maps. So right now, uh, PUBG is about to release a new map for PC. They are about to release Miramar for Xbox. In fact, uh, there was some playtest action that we got in on. completely missed out on. Oh, did you get to play on it? I did, eventually. (laughs) Oh. I tried to get on as soon as you dropped with Dump Truck and Tim, and we were all just like... That's good. So then I kind of forgot about it after that night because we ended up, I think, just going back on the division, and I never played it on Xbox. Well, it's coming back, um, so you have the opportunity. But uh, anyway, there's new maps stuff going on with PUBG, but what I don't think is on the table for PUBG is changing an existing map in any kind of major way. Oh my god, could you? Oh, that would the diehards would like lose their shit no i think they would like it i think it would keep it fresh and dynamic which frankly they need to be doing uh considering that fortnite instead of you know trying to turn out a new map is making edits to an existing map maybe they are going to turn out another new map but like you know beyond the point i think it's a really cool idea Mm -hmm. and so if you're going to be building a battle royale game which uh you know its main mechanic is kind of working against it it's the same thing every single time uh just with different weapons, uh, which is very fun. I'm not knocking that gameplay loop. I obviously love it. Um, But it can get a little old after a while, especially if there's no new map for a super long time or no changes. So it's a really innovative way, I think, to address the situation. So they just kind of blasted uh, something off, and now there's like a crater and ruins and stuff like that that you can go fight and play in, and it's just a new fun thing to do in the game. In terms of PUBG, other than the map stuff, which I already covered, they released several new scopes uh, and a new gun, the SLR, which by all accounts looks like a non-crate version of an AWM or one of those other crate snipers. Um, It is just a godly weapon, um, and people are having a lot of fun with it. So uh, I've enjoyed watching people with the new scopes there's a three times there's a six times um and so there's really a very different 
feel to certain engagements. You can kind of move up a little bit closer in certain situations or stay a little bit further back in other situations. Um, it's really changed, I think, the meta of the game a little bit, uh, which, again, it needs to change on a regular basis in order to keep uh, a otherwise repetitive gameplay loop fresh. But that's about it. I think that covers most of it. All right. I don't keep up with those games. So no <laughs> I'll make sure that you know when all those changes end up on Xbox because it will be several months before we see any of that shit. Yeah. The last bit of news, the New York Times released an article about gamers. I don't really know. Because it was like about gamers and the culture and like how you know, these new gaming arenas are starting to take root. It's just like this overarching piece about gaming. And the title is, All We Want to Do is Watch Each Other Play Video Games. Subtitle being, Gamers Are the New Stars. Esports Arenas Are the New Movie Theaters. Mm. Someone clearly... (laughs) had a conversation with their editor where they were told, hey, I hear Fortnite is a thing. Write something about it. <laughs> so, yeah, like how the New York Times has been, hey, I hear Trump is a thing. Write something about it. And in New York Times fashion, they wrote something pretty... Terrible. I, the, <laughs> the only thing that was appealing to all the folks that I follow in my you know, kind of gamer news circle uh, was, was the Hot Pockets. Uh, the the article mentions, uh, you know, people eating Hot Pockets, and Hot Pockets are, are very good. I haven't had a Hot Pocket in a minute. We should get some Hot Pockets. We should get some Hot Pockets. <laughs> uh, gamer Friends is not sponsored. No, we're not sponsored. By Hot Pockets. We could be sponsored by Hot Pockets in the future, in which case we will tell you. Also, Tostinos, I'm open to that endorsement <laughs> as well. As well. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it, it, I, I think that it fundamentally misunderstands a, a crucial aspect of gamer culture, which is that many of us don't don't actually want to talk to anyone else at all in person. We only want to talk to people digitally. I uh, am kind of like that, like Monday through Friday. Uh, I really, I don't really want to talk to anybody. Fair enough. I don't know. I think it is an interesting, like if a gaming arena popped up in Brooklyn, which I'm sure within the next five years it will, I would totally be there. I'd be like, let's go. I want to go play some games, IRL, and shit talk some other people instead of you know like i feel like i would totally be about that you would go once or you would regularly go i think if it was like what they're describing is like it's like a big old gaming arena there's millions of tvs there's a bar there's a restaurant like i would totally maybe make a regular thing out of it it sounds like fun to me i feel like there are gamers out there who want that social like when we were talking about the switch and how fun that is to just sit down with four people and four teeny tiny controllers that are a little misshapen and everyone has a good time, you know? I think that's a little different from trying to, I don't want to say commercialize Twitch. Obviously, Twitch is already commercialized, but... Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> to try and force gaming into a physical space, I think is probably not the best idea. It works yeah, I for mean, tournaments. Yeah, and I, I understand that because it does take a huge element out of it's like if we all 
there was like a podcast cafe and we all sat around, drank <laughs> coffee and listened right. to podcasts on giant speakers. It's totally not fundamental to how that medium is supposed to be enjoyed. I wouldn't want to ever do that. I mean, that sounds like fun to me, but I'm a nerd. Okay, I'm not even going to go down the rabbit hole <laughs> of how that would work. Um, regardless, I, I, you know, I'm going to start article, a podcast we'll cafe in, in Brooklyn. Okay. <laughs> Please. I would love to see you do that. We'll put the article in show notes. Uh, tell us what you think about it. We uh, did mention it on Twitter. I'll retweet it uh, so that you another can, retweet. Yeah, so that you can add your comment if you have one. Um, I don't know. I thought the article fundamentally misunderstood uh, what gaming culture is. Is at least for me. Yeah, I don't know. What I thought. What I, my my takeaway from it was that it seems like the person who wrote it had no idea what games were. Which is a shocking for someone who writes explicitly about tech for the New York Times, um, and also gaming has literally been around for what 30, 40 years now. Yeah, like my, you know, I've always known video games. Like how are people, how are we still brand new that games exist? Like video I don't games? know. There are there are people in the tech sphere who probably don't see it as like a legitimate. I mean, they they're they're like. They think that gamers are the nerds. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's wild. <laughs> Could you imagine sitting at a computer all day and, you know, writing code and blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, wow, you know who the real fucking nerds are? Yeah. Those but, gamers, they don't even do anything productive. But those people are totally out there. And I listen to several of their podcasts. <laughs> are you part of the problem? Are you devaluing our community, Big Nick? Uh, all the time. All the time. <laughs> especially, oh, especially when it involves capital G gamers. <laughs> there it is. It's a hot take for you. So I think we can move into our next segment. Finally, yeah, that was a lot of news. A lot of news. Look Lots news. of news. Um, these past two weeks in nerddom, nerddom. There was a Black Lightning season finale. Yes. How was it? I didn't watch it yet. I have to catch up. Why is it I on know. this list if you haven't seen it? Because I certainly haven't seen it. Well, the thing is that the, the news is it immediately went to Netflix, which is exciting because I know all of you like to binge watch shows like we do. So I have like two more episodes to finish. Plus, I wanted to give people time to like watch it if people are like me and watch it so I can talk about it. Uh-huh. So we're going to talk about it next episode. But if you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. All the, That was the quickest turnaround I've ever seen for a show. They were like, it was free to watch on the CW app when it was running. And as soon as it was done, it was like, put on Netflix right now. We need more money. Is that a good sign or a bad sign? I think it's a great sign. I think Black Lightning is easily one of the best shows to come out of the CW. I think especially with these, I haven't been caught up on these last seasons of all the other shows, but reading some of the news, a lot of people aren't really happy with a lot of the other shows, mainly Arrow. So I'm happy to see that ACW DC show is doing really, really well. People are really enjoying it. And one that is like different. And, like, sort of breaks the CWDC mold now. Like I said, I'm only two episodes away. So far, it's been a really great watch. I love it. I think it's great. I highly recommend it. And I can't wait to spoil the hell out of it next episode. Woo! Black Lightning's back. It's a terrible rap intro that they have. And I hope they get rid of it for next season. 
Cause you know they had to put a rap song as like, but you it's like a it's like a custom. All it's, momentum it's that you had to get me to watch that show. It's a custom rap song for the show, and I'm just like, we didn't have to do this. All of the air has gone out of your sails now that I know that there is a bad rap intro for Black Lightning. We're it's watching. A rap. You're, you're gonna. You have to watch it. I don't think that I will. All right, maybe I'll have to just do a bonus episode where I talk about it Something that I am incredibly excited to watch that you're barely excited to watch for some dumb reason is Ant-Man and the Wasp. I'm excited, but, like, it's going to be after Civil War and before Infinity War. There's so much war in the MCU, but I just, I need, I just, I bet you, like, the ending of Ant-Man and the Wasp is going to literally just, like, be the ending of Infinity War. Like, niggas are just going to disappear into dust and be like, oh, shit. Uh, I don't think that that's going to happen. What I do think is going to happen is if they are messing with the quantum space in this movie. <laughs> Maybe they'll find everyone in another dimension. But it could also be setting up a lot of future stuff because as we know, as we know from the comics, Hank Pym actually does quite a bit in the quantum realm, including a quantum realm prison. Uh, and in one iteration of Ultron's origin story, he created Ultron uh, to guard the prison. So I feel like there could be a lot of really cool tie-ins and we'll see what happens. Again, I am officially not watching any more trailers. I'm not watching any more uh, interviews or whatever. I'm on like lockdown mode for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, and I don't know, maybe we'll have to do another spoiler cast if uh, it ends up intersecting with Infinity War like you think it might. We'll have to see. I'm down for that. Speaking of Infinity War, uh, we have some follow-up. We do. Uh, if you want to catch all of the spoilery news, you should check out the spoiler cast that we've now mentioned, I think, for the third time. <laughs> <laughs> but really, the only part of Infinity War that I want to get into is all of these terrible takes about Infinity War. They're really bad. There's I, a few of them. So the one I don't understand the people who thought that this was going to be Black Panther 2. Other than those very funny memes that did imply that it was going to be Black Panther 2. They were two. very funny, but like we knew it wasn't going to be Black Panther 2, and I think any people who knew better knew it wasn't going to be Black Panther 2. I think a lot of people who went to see Black Panther did not know better, though. That's... <sighs> Let's just be real. Real? Ah, whatever. Wakanda had a bandwagon. <sighs> yeah. And I didn't even... I didn't want to even read this New Yorker piece that was basically like... Y'all really, ex- Marvel really expected everyone to watch 19 films just to get to this one. <laughs> and I was like, yes. well, yeah, that was like <laughs> literally the entire point. And like, even, I'm just even thinking of like how they build the Marvel Universe's comics. Like, that's the whole point. Like you have these big Infinity Gauntlet, Civil War, House of M, blah, 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 that if you read like, you know, one or two characters up until those special events, you get something out of it. If you read all of the characters, you get something else out of it. Or if you just read the special events like I do, you get something out of it. But maybe it's not the same thing. And, like, it doesn't – I don't know. I just, like, don't fully get it. Um, I get it. People feel entitled to have dumb exposition spewed at them that if there was dumb exposition, they would have said, wow, this movie isn't very well written, is it? Fair enough. They, I, I, I really feel like certain people just – have shit to say. They don't have anything really constructive to say. They just want to be antagonistic towards something that a lot of people like. 
Fair enough. I think some people would call them haters. <laughs> That's a good word. <laughs> I'm, not, for the haters. I'm not like part of the hater culture situation. Like I, I don't think that most normal people on no Instagram tickets to the haters ball you have go the haters the that they constantly say that they have. You know, they're stunting on the haters to no one really is that deep looking at what you're doing. So I don't quite understand how you feel like you have haters, but like a movie like Infinity War clearly does have haters because there are people just waiting to shit on it for the dumbest reasons. If you want to talk about some of the narrative elements that didn't work or some of the plot devices that could have been uh, done a little bit better, you know, I'm open to having that conversation, but as I tweeted out, and this might be the worst thing I've ever said, it might even be like a capital G gamer situation. Uh, I don't want to hear your opinion if you're not a fan. I really don't want to have a constructive conversation or try to have a constructive conversation with someone whose only exposure to the Marvel Cinematic Universe is Black Panther and Spider-Man. Like, that's not... That's not what the MCU as a whole is about. That's not what the culmination of 10 years of cinematic mastery is. And yes, I am a stan. Thank you. We stan a Marvel film. Bless. Um, But, you know, I kind of felt the same way with a lot of the Black Panther takes that we were seeing. Because, like, yeah, it's a black movie. But also, like, Black Panther didn't exist without any context like i feel like a lot of people like were like talking about it as it only stood on its own and that's not the case like they had at that point i guess nine and a half years of mcu films before that and with direct ties to civil war like hello the punching bag of the entire film was also in civil war that's how they met right you 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 cannot divorce the context of how Black Panther was introduced and the characters around him and the connection to the larger universe. In Black Panther, uh, the CIA operative, I don't know why I can't remember his name right now. I never remember his name. It's not important, obviously. It's not important. He is the link between the Black Panther and the larger stratosphere of the Avengers. And now that Bucky is staying behind, he's now the link. Like, they wouldn't be in Wakanda if it wasn't for Steve Rogers. That's true. So, anyway, I feel like we did that without really any spoilers because we did not give a very proper spoiler alert. I'll go back and throw a siren. Just one. (laughs) And I've automated and I guess we'll put it in the the show notes or whatever. But I feel like that was pretty spoiler-free. Yeah. Last but not least, in the Marvel arena, but not in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, <laughs> is Venom. I was going to ask. I was like, is Venom in the MCU or not? A discussion. Um, I thought it was very clear all this time that he wasn't. I have some gamer friends who tried to up my blood pressure about this, but the directors of MCU movies have come out and said, no. Venom is not a part of the MCU. It's a completely separate Sony situation. And the situation is the correct word to describe <laughs> that. I just can't see a reason for Sony to put Tom Holland in their movies or to use a different Spider-Man. It makes absolutely no sense. 
Uh, and I think that this helps clear some of that up. Regardless, uh, I literally it looks terrible. Don't care about this movie. I'm <laughs> literally gonna like. I'm gonna probably see it in theaters where I'm gonna wait four weeks. Like I'm not gonna be in a rush. Less of a rush than we were to see Ready Player One, which I actually liked. I'm probably gonna see this like the very last possible chance I can just to get out of the house and go see a film, mm, a movie. <laughs> <laughs> that was shade. <laughs> and really call it because I'm just like, did you see the open oh, mic eagle tweet? It was like, why does he look like the bunny from Tony Dark? Because I was like, something about him is off. And I couldn't figure it out. Well, the whole premise is off. I, I am curious as to what they're going to do. But in the comic book, I don't. Uh, like I don't. There is no. I don't understand. There's a no venom, venom without, without Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Exactly. Right. So <laughs> I, it's unclear to me how Eddie Brock as an individual could possibly be compelling enough, and especially in Eddie Brock as a grown ass man. Why in the world is Tom Hardy like doing this when he could have held out for any other Marvel character? I literally would have rather have been an extra (laughs) in an MCU film. You would have gone the Matt Damon route. Absolutely. He he got paid for that. And he was actually in a successful Marvel film. Yeah. Tom Hardy can't say the same. Well, we'll see. Well, I guess we'll see. We'll see. It might be successful. Mm. I don't know. We'll see. Another thing that's going to (laughs) bomb. really excited for it. So Teen Titans Go is coming out with a movie. No, because like, okay, here's the thing. Look, I was a diehard Teen Titans fan. I absolutely loved Teen Titans so as a kid. So you are not up in arms about Teen Titans Go? Why? I hate the idea of Teen Titans Go. I really do. However, <laughs> I watched a few episodes and once I got past the fact that I'm like, Ugh, they really did this to us. It's cute. No, is it not Teen Titans? Do I want more drama with Tara after that, you know, complete cliffhanger of a season ending? That I am not spoiler alerting, because if you haven't seen that yet, what the fuck are you doing? I'm actually more excited about the Teen Titans Go movie right now than the live action thing that DC is making an entire streaming platform for. That... Doesn't look great. And yes, I am only speaking from the set photos that did look kind of shitty. And yes, I know it's without special effects. I know it was without makeup. I know blah, 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 blah. Still doesn't look great. I don't care. But the Teen Titans Go movie, it looks it looks funny. They're poking fun at all the other shitty things that DC has done. They're poking fun at like the superhero genre. It looks like a fine, in your terms, popcorn movie. And I can't wait to go down to our movie theater with some frozen Reese's, it's going to be great. I'm excited. You know, I'm really glad that I'm not doing this show with another Marvel supremacist. Uh, it's great that all of our DC listener... Look, uh, we cover all, all of, our- of nerddom here, okay? <clears throat> All-encompassing mm-hmm. nerddom. Yeah. Even though our views might differ, I can appreciate everyone. Because isn't that what the world is really about? Yeah. Um, speaking of community... Uh, Women, Wakanda Con, Wakama Con, Wakama Con, happened. Why didn't they just call it Wakanda Con? 
Because that is a blatant copyright infringement. Is it really? Absolutely. You can't just use someone else's fictional name. You don't think Marvel has that shit trademarked? I don't know. I'm sure they do. I don't know how trademarks work. I have a very basic... I'm kidding. I do kind of know how trademarks work. Anywho. Um, Good thing we're not fiction writers uh, with cocky in our names. Anyway, um, I am really proud... To see they really the did community that. pull together and try and resurrect something positive out of the ashes of Universal FanCon. Yeah, so it was just a pop, basically a pop-up replacement con for FanCon, Universal FanCon. Universal FanCon. Looks like the vendors and the artists that were not, you know, kind of assed out over, Univer- over Universal FanCon that, you know, already had tickets were able to go, set up shop there, do their thing. It looks great. Maybe it'll be a thing. Maybe we can go next year. Yeah. I mean, if they decide to do it again, uh, we'll see what ends up happening. Uh, it's it's just, you know, it's it's hard for new cons. I get it. But it seems like this is a real cyclical problem. It seems like... Yeah, with uh, one person. I did my tweet investigation. I don't think it's just that one guy, though. Like, it's way deeper than just the things that he's been involved in. It seems like these small-time cons just always have issues. Well, you know, like I was saying last time when we were talking about this, I would if, if we're, like, gonna do... If you're gonna do something that you haven't done before, like, if we were, like, we're gonna put on a live show, I'm gonna hire someone or, I don't know, at least... Throw something at them to, I'll give you a dinner for a week. Can you yeah. help us put the show together? Like, if you're going to, well, especially for that, they, you're bringing in all this money. They have money to hire people with con experience. Right. Not con experience. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Uh, well, well uh, if any of you uh, were Universal Fan Con attendees turned Wakamacon Intendees, I hope that you had a fantastic time. I'm glad that there was some recourse for you. And hopefully you get that refund because I hear that some people are and a lot of people are still not. What a disaster. Litigation. Oh, yeah. There's definitely going to be some litigation. Some people paid like a fuck ton of money. Mm. Anyway. Well, that wraps up these past two weeks in nerddom. So what have you been playing these past two weeks? This week in the docket for me, I'll start off with Rocket League. Uh, Probably the most fun I've had in a while playing a competitive game. So Uh, much fun. Uh, We've been playing quite a bit with a friend of the show, That Tim Dude. And I'm still terrible. Yeah, I'm... (laughs) You know the pro- like I played it with Tim the first day. He he just I don't even remember what prompted me to buy it. He just was like, "Oh, I'm playing Rocket League," and I'm like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, you should try it out." And I've heard of Rocket League at that point. I was like, "Okay, whatever." But everyone's like, "Yeah, this is a great game." I was like, mm. "He's like, yeah, it's only twenty bucks or whatever." And I was like, "You know what? I'm bored. Let's make an irresponsible decision." So I just bought it, and it's so much fun. So it I played the first. I played the first night with him two on two people. And I was really good at it at first. And then I feel like, you know how that happens? Like you do something for the first time really well. And then the second time you do it, you're like, wow. I thought you're it was You're describing beginner's thing. luck. Oh. <laughs> oh. I mean, me too. I was definitely better <laughs> when I first started. Um, although I am learning how to fly. Uh, you 
for for everyone who has no idea what we're talking about, Rocket League is a game where uh, you're basically playing soccer with cars that have rocket boosts on the back. So you can drive around like you would expect to be able to drive around, but you can also boost at certain times as long as you're collecting certain things uh, or doing certain things. And you have a really a lot of maneuverability in the car. And so you can make a hit on the ball that goes in a very specific direction and the really, really good players have incredibly good handling on the ball. Uh, so it really is just kind of like playing soccer with rocket cars and it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. And I can't believe I'm so late to it. <laughs> yeah, just to talk more about the maneuverability, you can jump and flip the car in a controlled way. So it's not like normal driving. That's like what... And I was like, oh, it's like kind of like a racing game split with a sports game. But it kind of isn't because you can't, you know, it's like you can drive a car, but you can't flip a car voluntarily. <laughs> but a more realistic driving game, painfully realistic, some might say. Painfully. Dirt Rally. Um, it is exactly what it sounds like is a dirt rally car game. Um, and it is like simulation driving like it is not it's like motorsport seven taken to its like most logical extreme (laughs) even to the point that i didn't even know this about dirt rally racing but there's like another person in the car with you explaining the, the track and it's like you have this turn coming up and it's this deep do this or like you have this turn coming up and there's an obstacle so don't cut your turn because you can't do that here um, and you know, I like playing other racing games because I feel like it makes me better in different ones. Like I learn a lot from different races. Like I love playing Motorsport Seven, but I really, really love playing Horizon Three. But playing Motorsport Seven makes me a better Horizon Three player because I like actually like I don't know, it just makes you like drive better to me. Um, but Dirt really has a lot of really cool like tutorials that explains how racing works, and so I was like digging in there before I started racing. I thought they would be drivable, uh, but they are just videos, which is it's fine. Very like early 2000s <laughs> game tutorial. This is how it goes. But yeah. Once is it a like, remake? Dirt Ra- no. It just has a bad early 2000s tutorial system? Yeah. It's just like, here's a video of what you should do, but you don't actually like do it in the tutorial. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, it's like super, it's super intense, um, but a lot of fun. And obviously there are like different controls that you can do to make it easier. I'm really bad with turning, apparently. On dirt roads, so like I make my car a little bit stiffer, so I can control a little better. Um, it's definitely like super duper simulation and super. Dirt Rally is definitely the type of racing game that like a player should play if they're good at racing games. <laughs> like I don't think it's a very like casual racing game. Mm. Which you're not playing anymore then? No, no, I am gonna play. I want to get good at it. It's a lot of fun. Are you? Was that a joke? Are you calling me a normie or what? something? Who? No, I'm kidding. I wouldn't. I don't use Who the word normie. I feel like you. I feel like, you know, we just had an episode with Sarah, and we talked about the <laughs> definitions of about gamers. You want to be up in here with gamers with a capital G, and then you're gonna attack me just because racing games aren't, you know, first person shooters, and I, you know, like, I that's how I feel. I don't think my joke had anything to do with that. Mm. You said that it's the type of game that people good at racing games should play. Excuse me, I am good at racing games. 
I play Forza. I play Forza, the fu- and then I flip the car on PUBG, <laughs> but not as much as you flip the car. But I don't say I play Forza. Dump right truck always flip flips the car. the car. Tim always flips the car. Every, when we play PUBG, y'all, everybody flips the car besides me. I might make some wild turns. I might make some questionable jumps. Some weird decisions. Sure, but do I ever flip the car over? Yes. No, that is a lie. <laughs> I want to see some. No, if you want to claim like that, you want to talk about integrity, show me some receipts. Um, do you have any? Probably. No, I don't think you do. Well, but I'll go through my DVR after. Please do. I please will. do. I, will. I welcome it. Okay. I'll okay. put them up if I find any. Okay. I probably won't even if I you do. You can put them up on Twitter. Tag me in it. Mm. At me. Just to show. Just I'll to add show. you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> in a completely different direction, but also in the same vein, a game that I will not be playing very much of. Uh, <laughs> Tim is going to be so upset. Uh, Tim already, Tim called it. Tim told me, you know what? I don't think you're going to like this. And he was right. Monster Hunter is not for me. Uh, it is far too overwhelming. Um, with, <laughs> very overwhelming. Without... I I feel like I didn't have enough fun to justify playing as long as you probably need to to have the level of familiarity to get to the point where all of that complexity is actually fun and pays off. Um, A a parallel example to that is Tim playing The Division, where he feels the exact same way about The Division that I feel about Monster Hunter. He really is not into the base gameplay uh and i've been like no but you have to play until you hit level 30 and then once you hit level 30 you're in the end game and blah 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 blah. and i feel like you know a lot of people are probably saying the exact same thing to me about monster hunter it's just so hard it, it i don't know it if <laughs> step outside your comfort zone challenge yourself it, it just it I've watched a lot of videos. I have uh, tried to like educate myself about what I don't understand, and it just is not grabbing me enough. Also, this is just a personal bias that I have. The whole like Final Fantasy VII huge sword. I don't know why I specifically said seven. The huge <laughs> just calling <sword>. out Final <laughs> Fantasy VII. Specifically, I hate Final Fantasy VII. The huge sword aesthetic that's very popular in like anime and uh, more. well, it is a Capcom game. I did well, warn you, right? I, I, and. It is really a Capcom game, <laughs> and it just might be too Capcom for me. I guess um, I, I don't know. I, it, I I I'm just not into that kind of bravado. It seems like a very, um, it seems like a level of depth that is almost too much. I don't know. I feel like, because like, I felt that way too about like, wow, there's a lot of menus. Wow, everything's like visually in my face all the time. And I I feel like a lot of the stuff in the menus like you can ignore. You don't have to like dive as deep into I think the game is a lot simpler than what it might look like. Mm. To be fair to the game, I have not yet played with anyone and According to the conversation that you and Tim had, it feels like a very different game and it's a lot more fun. 
so I yeah. won't completely give up on it until I play with someone. Um, but I did get up to defeating the great Jagras, which I think is like the third mission. And by the end of it, I was exhausted. <laughs> I just didn't uh, have it in me to keep going, and I haven't gone back yet. In other news, friend of the show, Sarah with a star, was down visiting with ghost friend of the of the show, House Trotter. Yeah, Ben really does not want to be on the show. We will get him. I feel like he could definitely just like do a whole episode by himself on oh, Breath of the Wild, completely like, in depth analysis of every last painstaking detail. Completely. So that list from the last show of all the Switch games we played is the list again. Uh, we played all that stuff again. Who won in Mario Kart? I did. You won a round. The only one I played. Okay. You're all just going to keep denying me. <laughs> Whatever. I'm I, over it. I guess you won one. You guess. <laughs> Anyway, what we hadn't played before was Donkey Kong, which just came out. And as I alluded to, it is being heralded as the best 2D platformer of all time. Of all time. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was fun. It, it was graphically very interesting. Um, I do kind of miss that 2D platformer style. Uh, it's, it's never been my favorite genre of game. I'm always... Uh, been preferential to open world stuff, but it was a lot of fun. It was very nostalgic. It scratches an itch for a lot of people, I'm sure. Uh, I don't quite get what makes it the best ever in comparison to other 2D platformers, but to be fair, I have not played very many since I was a kid. Uh, so what do I know? What do you know? Apparently nothing. Apparently nothing. No. I do know that I won. Yeah. So now I'm gonna dive deep, deep dive Ugh. in the crevices <laughs> <laughs> of Destiny 2's latest expansion. Warmind, which drops tomorrow. From when it this does breaks. drop tomorrow, technically. Yeah. Um. I actually I want to take a step back, way back. That's gonna be a recurring thing for me. Because we complain about Destiny 2 all the time. But I don't think we ever really got into, like, why Destiny 2 isn't really doing it for us. Um, so Curse of Osiris came out. And even when that came out, we weren't completely excited about the game. Can you explain what was going on with Destiny 2 and the community leading up to that expansion that happened this past winter? Sure. I, I'll be fairly brief if I can. Destiny 1 did not launch well, and through a series of DLCs, it continued to flounder. It was not as bad as Destiny 2's floundering is, but I'll get into that soon. Um, as previously mentioned in this episode, there was an expansion release called The Taken King, which put Destiny back on track. A lot of folks came back to the game. There was renewed interest. And then everything from there just kept getting better uh, with uh, multiple updates that were not 
uh, full DLC releases like the April update that introduced actually a mini campaign and then a strike. Um, and then there was Rise of Iron, which came out, which was after we already knew that development on Destiny 2 had begun. One of the things that they did was bring all the old raids back by increasing the level the level cap on the older raids uh, so that everything was, you know, hard again. Uh, and it was just so, so much fun. So Destiny 2 gets announced. Everyone is incredibly happy with the end state of the game. They do this fantastic event called the Age of Triumph, where you essentially celebrate all of the journeys that you took in the original base game. And they had new things for you to earn and achieve. And it was a lot of fun. And it was just a fantastic way to send off the game. So Destiny 2 drops. And there's a ton of goodwill, not just from the Destiny 1 community, but I think the community at large, uh, Destiny 2 is incredibly hyped. And for the first time, it was going to be released on PC. There was just a lot of fanfare. And after you got through the campaign, which was a lot better than any of the Destiny 1 uh, campaign stuff, the real fault in that game being a, a narrative gap... After you got through the campaign, you discovered that the end game was really superficial and in a lot of ways just too simple to provide any kind of lasting challenge. Uh, it was only a few weeks into the game that I was capped out on all of my characters and the drip of new content was a lot slower than we were expecting. During the development period, Destiny, during the development period, Bungie made a lot of promises about the new game engine that they were using, which is an optimized version of the previous engine, uh, because a lot of their excuses for why Destiny 1 took so long to fix was that the engine that they built it in didn't was not conducive to making changes very quickly, and that that would be a thing of the past in Destiny 2, and it wouldn't be a problem. Well... There were a lot of problems in the endgame that, frankly, have still not been addressed. And so there has just been a series of mistakes and missteps that evaporated all of Bungie's goodwill from what happened with Destiny 1. But the biggest problem is that they really casualified the game. And <laughs> is that an official? It might not term? be an official industry term, and it might make me sound like a capital G gamer. It but does. Like, it, part of what was so beautiful about the original Fortnite. Destiny, <laughs> there was a grind in Destiny One that was at first really frustrating and not that great, but became something where you felt really, really rewarded for all of the work that you were putting in. And in Destiny 2, none of that really existed. You were kind of given the rewards right off the bat. Uh, Another example was the lack of feeling like you were taking part in an adventure. Um, In Destiny 1, there were plenty of like secret hidden rooms or puzzles that only the most dedicated players were even going to find, let alone actually solve and, and figure out and get to the bottom of. And none of that exists in Destiny 2. 
In Destiny 1, there was a gun called the Black Spindle, which you could only get if you completed the daily heroic mission, but you had to complete it in a certain way, and you had to complete it in a certain time limit, and if you did that, then a door opened up. It didn't direct you to the door if you did all these things. You could exit the mission the normal way, but if you found the door, then you could go through, and all of a sudden you were in a timer situation where you had to run through what was essentially a whole other mission at the end of this mission. And if you successfully did all of that and defeated the final boss within a certain time period, you got this like God tier weapon. Ooh, I'm tired. That was a lot. No, it was good. It was extensive. Okay. Who? <laughs> but it was a lot. <laughs> so none of that like magic and mystery is in Destiny 2. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because they want to appeal Those to... Those damn casual players. <laughs> Those gamers appeal... with lowercase g's. Fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> they want to appeal to people who only pick the game up a few times a week and really tried to maximize their time so that they can experience everything. I think one of their goals, they said during the development that there were only a handful of players that actually even got to the light level required to get through the raids, let alone actually complete the raids. The The raid completion rate was, uh, I think, uh, only around 10%, uh, something really small. Yeah, it is really small. So they tried to create a situation where people who were not going to be their hardcore audience were still able to access all of the content in the game. And what that meant was really presenting all of the content in the game on a silver platter in a way that a lot of people like me were not accustomed to. We really want to find stuff. And then once everything was presented to us and we accessed it, there was never a deeper level to keep us coming back. So at a certain point, uh, because in Destiny 2, there are not random weapon rolls, you will have every weapon in the game because Multiple there's only times. one version of every weapon. And so if you get a weapon, that's it. You have the weapon. Whereas in other games or even in Destiny 1, just because you got the weapon doesn't mean you got the weapon with the roles that you actually want to do the types of things that you want to do. You know, I think you bring up an interesting point, though, is that at a certain point, you know, gamers like yourself uh, ran out of content to still be playing the game. Even gamers like me, our lowercase (laughs) gamers, ran out of stuff, too. So it's like even worse than super duper hardcore players not wanting to play the game because they ran out of stuff to do. I ran out of stuff to do. The easiest way to break this down is to say that they made a game that was an open world exploration adventure game that was so linear in scope that the hardcore players left fairly quickly because they didn't have anything to do after a certain point. And then 
the casual players also left because they also ran out of stuff to do, which at least in Destiny 1, they were never abandoned by the hardcore players because as grindy as it was, there were plenty of people willing to do that. Yeah, it might have only been about 10% of the player base's population, but if you think about how successful Destiny was, 10% of 8 million is still a really, really high number of people who are really incredibly dedicated to your game. Right. I think there is something to be said here about making media or content to like your lowest common denominator. So that way it's like as, I don't want to say the word accessible, but like as as watered down as possible. So that way the most people can enjoy it. It's kind of like that LaCroix, LaCroix, whatever, Water. The Croix, that's how you pronounce it. There's yeah. an X in there. I don't know French. <laughs> you know, it's like that that's what I feel like that's what a lot of not even just games, but even media is now. It's like I feel like a lot of thing of I feel like a lot of media and not just games right now is sort of like how can we get this so that way everyone can have a hint of whatever fruit flavor this is, but we're not gonna give them the full juice because that's just I don't know if everyone's gonna like it. You know? Yeah, it's really sad to see just how they decided to do it. Um, I know that I talk about The Division a lot, but one of the ways that they fixed this problem um, was by creating world tiers. So there's, in The Division, five world tiers, which you can access by virtue of becoming a certain level. And so in a certain world tier, the rewards are going to be higher Uh, if it's a higher level world tier, but the enemies are going to be harder. So if you are a more casual player and you're not interested in the best of the best, but you still want a challenge, you have a scale that you can put yourself on to access all the content in the game. Whereas the hardcore is only going to play on the top tier all the time. And that's fine because they now have enough content to continue the chase, but you're not having their experience bogged down by more casual people and vice versa. You're not having the casuals completely shunned and, and you know pushed out of the game because they're not uh, at a certain level because they literally don't have to be at that level in order to enjoy the full scope of the game. Mm-hmm. Destiny just, you know lowest common denominator to everything. And so there's just no aspect of it that is enough for some of these hardcores. And frankly, all of the stuff that I'm talking about is just scratching the surface of the player versus computer components of the game. Uh, player PvE, uh, PvP players, player versus player folks, they have a whole host of complaints about how the Crucible has changed and the pace of the game and how it's just way less fun in a 4v4 team than it is on a 6v6 team, which, you know, is one of the changes that they've made. They brought back 6v6, and right now uh, 6v6 Iron Banner is going on, and I've, you know, seen some people playing it. Mm-hmm. Um, more of my friends list is back on, I think, in anticipation of Warmind. Uh, but most people aren't. I think I think that they lost a lot of people, and um, you know we'll have to see if uh, Warmind brings them back. Um, we actually live tweeted the big reveal for Warmind. Yeah. Uh, well, what do we think about Warmind? Um, 
Well, I'll retweet that as well so that if you have comments or want to see exactly what we tweeted about, um, you can go ahead and read that thread. Um, I, I think it's going to be fine. <laughs> I, I think that they started development on Warmind before they realized that Destiny 2 was in trouble and well before Curse of Osiris kind of flopped. I think that the reason why it's been delayed is because they're trying to fix as much of it as possible. But, you know, nothing they announced is really all that groundbreaking, which is unfortunate. Um, there's a new uh, public event mode, I'll say. It's not really just a public event, but it's not its own in- entire mode of play. Like in the middle. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's in the middle. It's a, it's a public event that you can go up to and initiate at any point. Which is a rehash of something they've already done. Mm. Uh, the Court of Oryx in Destiny One was exactly like that. They introduced that in the Taken King, and then that was building on a concept called the Prison of Elders, which is more of a standard horde mode. Um, so there's, you know, precedent for this in the Destiny universe, which is why I'm not so excited about it right. because I feel like it's just going to be Destiny's t- Destiny Two's twist on what we've already seen from them. And again, these are not the types of things that are going to, in my opinion, bring people back long term. So the new mode, Escalation Protocol, um, is going to have seven levels and include a relic. Um, What is a relic? Because I did not play the first Destiny and it looked like, is it a super? Because they were run around <laughs> in the third you, you they zoomed out the third mode third I, person you can think of it like a super it's just a an item that does something special that uh usually shows up in the raid so oh it's like the cannons when you're doing those public events where you like have to blow up yeah oh, okay got it i mean got it. those aren't technically those aren't relics, relics but similar it is very similar to that yeah so Coming along with Escalation Protocol, there's a new raid layer. Um, so not a full-length raid. Um, just like in the Curse of Osiris, it'll probably be like a 20-minute little thing. Uh, it takes place in the same location as the raid. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're a Destiny player, you're familiar with the Leviathan, probably. <laughs> um, and it's going to go live uh, this upcoming Friday. So uh, we'll probably dive into that. They haven't really released much information on it, which makes me nervous because it makes me think that they're not all that excited about it. They did talk literally about everything else. Yeah, they did not talk about it at all. Maybe it's so good that they're just waiting for us to be blown away by it. That's a very hopeful take, and I'll let you have that. Uh, Yeah, I know that it's probably not the situation. We'll see. Let's not forget the quality of life changes that comes for everyone for Destiny 2, even if you don't get the new DLC, which I wouldn't blame you for. But uh, we get an emote selector now, which I think was in the first... Was that in the first Destiny? Nope. This is the first time we're ever getting an emote selector. Well, I feel like most games have an emote selector. Yeah, it's really inexcusable that we haven't had one, but finally we do. Uh, Not that I really have all that many emotes, but whatever. Who wants to pay for those? Uh, Microtransactions. Yay. I mean, honestly, we didn't even get into that, but that's the real destruction of the game. Well, there it is. Mm. Um, They're giving us the ability to make private matches in the Crucible. Again, something that 
Should have been there from the beginning. (laughs) That should be fun. We should take Bones of Feet and split us in half and shoot each other up, see who's the best player. That sounds either really fun or really frustrating. It'll definitely be both. I'm here for it. Yeah. What's a good game if it's fun and frustrating? (laughs) Um, Let's see. Exotic weapons are getting some, some changes to make them feel, they're saying, more unique. Um, what does that even mean? They're just making they're just making them more powerful. A lot oh. of them are are not special in any oh, way. Oh, they make them more special so that way the hardcore people would be like, "Yay!" I, I Maybe. Guess. I mean, I have them all, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, everyone's like, "We have all the exotics. There's nothing you can really do them." Like, it'll be fun to use some of them and have them be more useful. But are they going to end up being really more useful than what I already use? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, we'll see. We'll I see. haven't played it several months, <laughs> so I don't know. A lot of us haven't. Uh, let's see. The vault is getting bigger, which is nice. Yes. I guess it's for. I guess I just hoard a bunch more shit in there that I won't use anyway. Maybe it's not a good thing. Maybe the smaller vault kept me more uh, organized with all of my gear. Well, there's not much uh, that's good, so not much to collect. Do we know how much is increasing by? I have no idea. They probably have announced it. I just don't know. All right. Well, you know. Uh, and Masterworks Exotics. Yeah. Coming out. Which. I, the last I, time I, I the, played Masterworks were brand, brand new. Yeah. And I didn't really. I was just like. Mm. I, here, the thing with like the weapons in Destiny that I don't feel like. I feel like it is different to sound like you in the divisions that the weapons in Destiny, there's like no stakes to them. I'm like, I can yeah. usually use whatever gun looks coolest or whatever makes the best sounds. And I'm fine. Yeah. Both in PvE and PvP. So there's like no real incentives to me to like make a specific build. Yeah. Even the perks aren't like that much. It's it's like, eh, I could spend all this time doing this. But why? Who cares? Again, they just dumbed down every part of the game. <laughs> Which I guess works for me. So <laughs> that you can just do whatever and be fine. And I don't know, I just I I I want a higher class of destiny. <laughs> mm. I need I need high art destiny. <laughs> um spe- speaking of things that I need, um I am excited for the for the Crucible rank stuff. Uh, I do think it will be the incentive that I need to actually play the Crucible. Um, Lord knows we didn't have one before. Yeah, it's just simply not fun. And there are some engrams that have weapons that you already have. Yay! <laughs> there will definitely be um, some new stuff to chase. Uh, in the Valor rank, that's basically the unranked. Um, you can earn points towards your rank and get a reward if you max out your rank, but the rank will never go down by your performance, by like losing or dying or whatever. Glory, on the other hand, is the competitive rank. And if you lose in glory, your rank is going to go down. And the incentive to get a high rank and not have your rank go down in glory is that if you get to a certain level, there's an exclusive weapon. The only way you can get it is by doing this. So 
uh, you know, baby steps in the direction of giving uh, hardcore players something to grind for. Mm-hmm. Even someone like me, uh, if I was super into the game again, I would spend time doing that, um, really trying to get good enough to get the gun, especially if I start getting wrecked by it, mm-hmm. uh, which is certainly going to start happening once people achieve the weapon and it's as good as it looks like it would be. This will have to happen as soon as <laughs> I possibly can so I can have a good chance. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean... Oh, wait, I have a question. What's the highest rank that you can get in Crucible in this ranking system? I have no idea. Oh, they didn't... Okay. I I, thought there was like a... No, there is, and we tweeted about it, but I don't know it. I don't don't have it memorized. Did they have a ranking system in Destiny 1? No, there was never any ranked PvP. Oh, this is new, new. Yeah, this is actually, I think, the first new new. new feature in Destiny 2. Wow, we went through a whole (laughs) ass conversation, and only one of the things is not from... That's not true, that's not true. Masterworks was not a thing in Destiny 1, but they didn't need it because they had random roles. Oh, so Masterworks is kind of the random roles, but... It also doesn't really matter. No, it's 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 like their first step in addressing the random roll situation like, is nah. just not actually gonna do anything. It's like a little little hot. I mean, we'll have to see what the story looks like and what ends up happening. I'm excited for the campaign. It does look good. I do. I don't think know if it's gonna the, be like better the story than Curse of Osiris, but it looks engaged. Like I think I'll enjoy doing the campaign with like, you know. The campaign you can do with three people or four? Three. Three. So we're going to have to find someone to play with. But I think it'll be fun. I'm sure it'll be an interesting experience. Uh, You know, I do really like the gunplay in Destiny. There's a reason why Destiny was my favorite game uh, and why I spent an embarrassing amount of time playing it. Uh, And I'm hoping that Destiny 2 gets back to that level. But I got to say, I'm really putting my foot down about the Taken Queen. Um, I'm simply not going to buy it, and I'm not going to pre-order it unless they release all of the the quality of life changes that they've announced for it. So the roadmap that they've announced for fixing the game includes a big update around the time everyone's expecting this to drop. So... Of course, you won't get a lot of those quality of life updates if they tie it directly to purchasing the new content. And if they do that, I certainly will not buy it. And I will encourage everyone else in my circle not to buy it because I think that's absolutely bogus bullshit. If they put some fixes into it, but I have to shell out 40 more dollars in order to get the game that I should have gotten last year, I'm not going to pay for that. I just won't. I won't do it. I've got other things to play, and you know, I'm I can always watch a stream. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There it is. So, uh, so what predictions do you have? It's gonna come out on Tuesday. What do you think is gonna happen? Let's look into our ghost crystal ball. <laughs> Shake up a little. <laughs> um. So I will say that the game is gonna remain broken. <laughs> I I don't think optimistic uh, over here. <laughs> I don't think that it's gonna get fixed. Um, I do think that Warmind will make the weight for the Taken Queen more bearable. Um, mm. I don't think that they have a reason not to delay uh, internally anymore. I think that all that contract stuff that really screwed up Destiny One. Um, 
is not the reason why Destiny 2 turned out the way that it did. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm really excited to see if the extra time that they took with Warmind was worth it, basically. (laughs) Um, So I'm expecting that it'll be a game that I'm not going to, like, scoff at after Warmind comes out, but... I do think, as a second prediction, that the player base is only going to mildly increase unless the word of mouth on the DLC is really, really positive. Um, if Reddit puts a thumbs down on it, <laughs> big um, down vote. I, I <laughs> so worry about someone should just the post, just be like the War Mine expansion, and that either just that gets up. <laughs> down uh, I'm sure something like that will happen for sure. Um, I do think uh, that the story is going to be more developed than Osiris, but I still don't think it's going to be what some of the lore people are really looking for. And actually, I'm worried that they're going to fuck up Rasputin. The lore people? Because there's a whole Destiny lore podcast. Yeah, Definitely. That's like the only one that I want I to listen it. to now. I love it. It is so that is to me really really intense and I absolutely love the cuz like <laughs> I was like really interested in the Mass Effect lore. Yeah. Um but like a whole podcast exists just to talk about the lore of Destiny. That's, like, that's part awesome. of why I love the universe so much and like to get mushy for a moment. Aww. I was really attached to the characters. I really felt committed to and a part of like the world and the universe. And I think that's why I'm so cold on all of this new stuff mm. because I'm really like bitter about what they did to my favorite game. <laughs> like really bitter about it. Fair enough. Um, anywho, uh, my final prediction is that, um, some of the streamers will return and return. How many? Give me a number. Uh, I need some stakes in these predictions. We need stakes. Five. Five. (laughs) Exactly. Five previous Destiny streamers will return to play Destiny. No, I mean, like, they're going to come back and all of them are going to come back and play it. I mean, like, (laughs) they're going to come back and then be like, I have to go back to play Sea of Thieves again. No, I think people are going to actually, I think a few people will come back and recommit to playing the game until the Taken Queen. I I think we'll see a few of that. Okay. We'll see a few of those. What about you? Are you uh, putting any predictions out there for what's going to happen on Tuesday? I will. I think that this is going to be... I think this is going to play out exactly how Curse of Osiris did. We're all going to be like, all right, new content. Let's play the night before, get some levels up, get some weapons, and make our characters look good. Play the campaign, play everything, go through everything. And it's going to be fun for, like, a few weeks. And then we're all going to be like... Yeah. Mm. Trying to play the division again. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just am not. I, I really do. I think, you know, like with Escalation Protocol, how they explained it, like at the after the end of the seven levels, you can get like a spe- super special thing. I don't remember what it was. Um, but, you know, they it's like for five. Oh, uh, you fight a different boss at the end. And then I think you get a different reward for it. But they only have five of those planned, mm. per, for, and it's once a week. So right. I'm going to give it five weeks. <laughs> and then we're all going to be like, great, we're not playing Destiny again until the Taken Queen comes out. But I think we are still going to buy the Taken Queen. Mm. 
I mean, at least I probably will, and we game share, so mm. you'll have it. <laughs> That's very optimistic of you. Um, we'll see. We'll have to keep... Uh, <laughs> I, don't know how, I think we're going to play it for five weeks is optimism. That is severe optimism, because the next global event for The Division is definitely going to be out within the next five weeks. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. We'll have to report back. Um I think that that does it. I think that's a show. I think that is a show. Um, are we going to talk about the next show? No. Oh. But okay. we have something cool coming up. We that's what I want to say. Cool if you like what you're hearing, we would uh, love you forever and ever if you gave us a review on whatever podcasting service you use. And we'll see you guys in two weeks. In two weeks. Bye, everyone. Deuces. <laughs>